Hi, this is Ali Ciardo and the Photo Field Notes podcast. I hope you are doing well. A quick reminder, if you are looking to sell more products in your business this year, I have a course for you. I put it together with Design Aglow and you can get the link in the show notes. It's virtual product sales. So if you don't want to do in-person sales, you're crazy busy or you're introverted, check out the course. It's going to show you what to do. Um, and just a quick note on this. I even had people reach out to me who had worked with other photographers and they wanted me to design their albums or um, do their framing because of what I'm doing to market myself. So if you want kind of the step-by-step exactly what to say, exactly what to do, that course will walk you through it um, and absolutely change your product sales if you're not focused on product sales right now and you're looking to um, raise your prices without necessarily raising your prices. You can get more income through product sales. All right, let's get into the episode today. Welcome to the Photo Field Notes podcast, where you'll find stories, tips, and inspiration from professional photographers to get you taking action in your own business and making your business dreams a reality. Hi, everybody. This is Ali Ciardo, and today I'm talking with Lisa Princik. She's a trained business strategist, and she's the host of the Scaling Deep podcast. Lisa's clients turn to her for help with business growth when they are worn out from chasing that next mass marketing trick. We all know that feeling. And they know that they need to go beyond word of mouth, but what can they do next? Lisa, thank you for being here today. You're welcome. It's so fun to chat with you. Yes. Um, Okay, so backstory first. I want to hear about um, how you got started in this specific area and then how you like got into it. How did you figure out that this was the model that you wanted to use? Okay, so super backstory. I mean, I became a life coach in... 2008, I got trained before anyone really knew what life coaching was. It was funny when I'd mentioned it. Now everybody knows what it is. <laughs> Back then, it was like, mm-hmm. you, you coach teams? Like, no one understood. So that was a long time ago when I really was just looking for more freedom. And I saw my friends going off and like taking trips all the time. And I was locked into what, what, what was a meaningful job in corporate social responsibility was still too restrictive for my personality. <laughs> so um, fast forward, uh, I shouldn't say fast forward. I would say that during that process of the early days of being someone who had um, a skill set around coaching, which I will mention as interesting because photography is definitely a skill set, not necessarily a business. And that's why I want to mention that. I realized that I loved businesses mostly and helping, and I'd had a lot of great results getting people that started on either social enterprises or small businesses. And that was just what, where my heart was. So I started uh, selling myself more as a business coach. Um, That was felt challenging because I hadn't really had the experience like starting a really successful business, selling it or whatever. So it's kind of a tough position to be in when you, when you have a desire to help people, but you aren't necessarily trained in all the details on the, on or or had the experience to say, here's what I've done. So then I went, uh, took some training to become a business strategist, which what I think was what I call myself now, because that really gave me the tools and the frameworks to be able to take my clients from A to B. And then I turned myself more into a business that focuses on getting my clients specific outcomes and really repeatable results. And that's been the last six years. And then the more recently realizing that my, some of my favorite models for how I, like what I encourage people when they're ready to scale beyond their one-on-one is the membership model. So that's kind of where I am today. (laughs) 
How did you fall into that model in the first place? I fell into it through a Voxer conversation with my biz bestie because we go back and forth on this little walkie talkie app all day long. Nice. And, <laughs> you know, we're always thinking about ways to uh, get more focused and more niche. She's a web designer and just make our what we sell more easy to understand, more um, catch on more quickly, be more referable. So we're always thinking about that. And I've always known that I need to niche, but never really been found the right thing and always I never wanted to just kind of fake it and come up with this like niche that seemed cool but my heart wasn't in it or I didn't have the background or that made sense or the connection so it took me a while I've always known that she was pushing me to become like a launch strategist and I was like oh my gosh like I've you have no idea how little I really want to do that because to me that's like all the implementation and all the tools and things that I'm not really that technical. But out of that, I kind of hit on memberships. And for some reason, a light bulb went off. And I realized that they're actually just a different kind, just a specific kind of business model. And I already helped my, my clients define their packages and their offers and their messaging and, and to like develop something really compelling and easy to sell because it's so clear what they do and they're messaging in a way that's so appealing to people. So this is really just the same kind of thing and it required the same set of skills. And so when I, then when I started looking around, I realized that there's not many people in this space. Like there's not many people talking about it. There's like one guy, another Canadian. <laughs> and, and I'm like, and that's a, ma a male too. And I thought, well, like there's not a lot of female voices and women have a different perspective often on business. It's, it's about, we have different ways of saying things. And I, Felt like that was a little empty and then I started testing it and I just started like, I wrote an article, I shared it in a couple groups, a lot of people's eyes lit up and I, and like, oh, I'm thinking about one. Oh, this sounds really fascinating. And all of a sudden I was like, wow, yeah, this, there's a bit of a hole in the market and I'm perfectly capable of, of helping people with it because loads of my clients happen to have memberships already and it just felt like the natural fit. And that comes so like, not as often as we like, you know, to finding that perfect little thing where it's like, it's no one in my town is offering this kind of photography, you know, that kind of idea. And when we see it, we need to jump on it. So that's basically what I did. Cause I've been in business for so long and I've been waiting for that like opportunity and I'm like, I'm going for it. <laughs> yeah. All right. So I think that the idea of membership is both exciting and terrifying, especially looking at, I, I guess I'm coming to my, as myself representing the photographers and what they might think a few thoughts. One thought would be like, what? I'm a photographer. I work one-on-one -on -one with people. How's that going to work? And then the other thought that I think probably is more general is that people think, oh my gosh, that sounds so scary. Who's going to want my membership? What do I have to offer that's different? You know, what is this even going to look like? How am I going to build this? So let's start with just the different, you you know, you said there were a couple different models of how this would even work. What are those models? Can you kind of break down the basics for us? Yeah. So first of all, I, I want to, we'll just preempt that by saying if you don't have the itch yet, then it's maybe not the right time. Maybe it's in the vision. <laughs> it's the, it's the next, <laughs> next level business model. And because it is definitely, you do have to have some kind of volume. You do have to have some kind of level of, there's got to be a few people at least at once who you can serve around the same kind of thing. And, and that's, that's the only way it'll work. It's any kind of group program course, scalable model is going to have 
require more than one-on-one. So it, it may not be the right time. And that's, and that's fine. And that, that makes a lot of sense. So I think that you just trust that. And, but if it is something you're like, you know, I, I love doing what I do, but I love running the business. You know, there's a lot of people out there who discover that they actually get more excited about running the business than just doing the work in the business. And I don't know if everyone has that. I think a lot of people get to that point because they're like, oh, I've done this really well. And now what's next? And then other mm-hmm. people don't. But some people start out very quickly on being like, that's the part they love the most. They love selling. They love enrolling. And when it comes to the actual like editing or whatever, and they're like, okay, how do I scale this thing and get someone else to outsource this part? And so I think that you'll know that. And then so to think about the models though, this is, this is a way that I like to break down memberships for service providers is that there's several different ways to focus on what you're doing for people before. So you don't kind of get overwhelmed thinking you have to do everything for everyone and not really make a lot of money offering way too much for too little cost. And that's, I think, usually the overwhelming thought when people say, a membership, great. And then they start looking into it and they think, how am I ever going to make money out of this? And I'm going to be there every day. So I would say that the three different models would be, say, the coaching model, the education model, and the community model. And those are not necessarily uh, mutually exclusive. A lot of communities have all like, or sorry, memberships have all three, but one of them is usually the main thing that you are able to offer. And that depends on what kind of clients you normally serve, who you are in touch with, what industry you want to focus on more and what they actually need from you. So I would say that the coaching model is going to be more about providing in time live support to people. So if you happen to be mentoring a lot of different photographers or a number of different uh, kinds of clients on things, and they actually really want to have a chat all the time, and you, you're the kind of person who loves chatting with them all the time, you could think about monetizing that <laughs> and, and actually having some kind of loose structure where you've got open office hours. For a small monthly fee, they can come in and you can just set your office hours and anyone can show up whenever they need it. And they might want to pay for that access because they might know that it's worth it to them to save, to spend an X amount a month and get that in-time support when they need it and not have to look up how-tos everywhere. So that's one model. The other, the second one would be, say, the education model. And that might be you're providing more how-tos. You could even be providing some kind of templates. Like there could be some easy sort of DIY types of, I don't know. I mean, we're talking really creative stuff here, maybe beyond even what I know is possible. There could be a huge opportunity there where you're providing, um, actual photos to people. (laughs) I mean, that's where stock imagery came from probably. And then the final one is the community where people are in there. They are learning things. You might have content, you might have some frameworks, you might have some structure in it. You also might have some Q and a stuff, but they actually are there because they're all hanging out and they're learning from each other. And the biggest value and the thing that keeps them there for the long term is they need to hang out and chit chat with other people. And that's the number one reason why they're there. And that's obviously around a very like-minded interest. Um, They are able to get either support, validation, feedback, or even training from each other. And that, so that's the third model that would make sense. And again, these could be B2B like other business owners, or they could be other, uh, just the niche that you happen to be in. 
just to get creative for our photographers here, let's just like think of brainstorm a few ideas. So I think the obvious is there are definitely photographers who have that experience now and they want to start mentoring, educating other photographers, helping newer photographers get started. That's kind of like an, a natural next step for a lot of people. Um, I think that the idea of like a community of DIY photographers who just want to learn DIY in some way is a really interesting way to go about it. Um, Especially now too, in times where people are hanging out less and it's harder to, people are DIYing more. (laughs) So yeah, that's so true. Yeah. Or I had another call um, with another interview with, I think this one was Andy Seeley. He um, has a community, he's a marketer photographer and he was photographing. Oh no, I'm totally mixing up. It wasn't him. Um, He was taking photos of like personal trainers and fitness people, nutritionists, and realized that he was doing this for them for branding, but then also helping them with marketing Mm -hmm. and realized, oh, there's this whole opportunity for a community specifically for these like um, health type people to learn how to market. But then he can also sell them those photos on top of it. So it's kind of a both like two-pronged. The neat thing about that is that what he has done, and which is what I I liked when when I say to people, well, what is it? that you want to do. There's the model of what, how you deliver the, the, the thing that they're paying for. And then the second is that where does it sit within your business model? Because he's obviously found that like all these people he has these conversations with and he does brand photography for are all like, Oh, but how do I market my business? <laughs> how do I market yeah. myself? And he saw and a need and yeah. he, and he went for it. And that's the thing. So sometimes we, so it's also like, where is it sitting within the model? Meaning like, what are other people asking for? It could be a little bit different than what you're currently offering. If you happen to be surrounded by an entire niche, uh, a group of type of people who are all craving something, it's hard. It's sometimes you just have to be in that situation and then be paying attention to the fact that you can monetize that and provide them the support with the relationships you already have. So that's another way to think about how to figure out what you do. Yeah, there's just a lot of creative. I can see it on a local level. You know, we naturally go, oh, I would coach other photographers on how to do this like marketing. But we learn so much as photographers and marketing our businesses that you could absolutely apply that to other small business owners, whether it's on a national scale, if you've like really nailed it, and you're awesome. Or if it's on a more local scale where you tie in taking photos, like the membership includes photos of them and then like some kind of ongoing connection community, like it can have all those elements. So I think that's kind of an exciting idea. Well, and those are the different price points too, because a show up and DIY learning community probably is priced a little bit differently than somebody who gets a certain amount of photos somehow. Sure. And that's that's where you get more pricey. (laughs) Yeah. And that's where you can decide what you want to offer and to whom. And, And there are people who will pay for varying levels of things, because sometimes if we offer something really low cost... And it's, and it's a nice to have, but not a need to have. It's almost less popular or loved than something that we would have charged more for and given more to and really made a difference in people's lives. And is the idea of tiering, t- adding tiers to what you offer, is that something you do or, or you can upsell them on specific things outside of that membership? Is that an opportunity that you You know, I haven't, I haven't really actually seen a lot of tiers, to be honest, Um. I know they're out there and I know that's a very typical business to consumer model, 
But the challenge I have with that is that it's a little more like a subscription and it doesn't feel as relational. So I like the idea of having a membership that you then can sell to higher ticket things Okay. <laughs> when yeah that makes sense when you're when they when you know they need it or they need more support or they're really doing well and you're like okay you you know you can still use this but I've got a better idea for you so I actually think that to keep your business model simple some people have these huge memberships that have been around for years and they're based on interests and they probably have put those levels in somehow it's not really who I'm designing my kind of whole philosophy for is that I think the membership model I'm coming from isn't the membership site that everyone developed like five to 10 years ago, which kind of became popular all of a sudden and almost was a different way to deliver a course. I'm looking at it now, like how do service providers actually go out and continue to deliver value in different ways? And when we think about it that way, we come across it a little different than the typical subscription. We think, just think about like, what do people need and what, it, what, what does it cost and how do we not feature it to death? Because that's when we get overwhelmed wanting to, to uh, deliver them and start them in the first place. And that's when sometimes we overwhelm our clients because if they don't take advantage of all those features that we're offering them, they might think, well, I'm not getting value of it because I can't use it. And then they want to leave. And that, because I mean, no one ever wants to feel like they're not taking advantage of a subscription. That's true. Yeah, that's a good point. And I'm probably doing that. I'm like overthinking all the things. So yeah. let's, let's take a step back and talk about like, you know, maybe at a minimum or maybe at a maximum, what even is it? Like, what should we be offering? Does this include, I mean, it's going to be different, but like at its most basic level, what do you see as a um, ideal, an ideal subscription program? I'll give you an example mm -hmm. because I started mine earlier this year and it's a coaching model. So I, it requires me to show up and coach people in live in sort of in time and have them get feedback and validation. And when they get stuck on something or run an idea by, by the group, I sold it. And then I created a Google calendar <laughs> and I sent the Google calendar out to the people. I sent them a welcome email. I, what else did I do? And I didn't even have a community for them for the first month because I was like, well, it's not really what I'm offering. <laughs> and I realized the value of my coaching was so much, uh, so it's, it's, it was such a good deal for them relative to how many people were in the group. Five people, I, you know, I signed up five people at the beginning. I did, it wasn't, it's not a, like a super low cost group. It's about, um, there's a little bit of a founding member discount, but it's around $2,000 per year. And, but it's still a lot less than my private coaching for a longer term commitment. So I did such a minimum level of it that it was, it was like, it won't warrant. And I even actually had hot seats in there. And then I realized that, okay, I don't have enough people to make that worth it because they're all getting time. So I kind of took that out <laughs> and, and, but I'll add that back in as soon as there's five, five more people and 10 more people. And, and then I'll add things. And that's, I think what you want to do is that it's, it's like, we've got to focus on minimum viable because if we overwhelm ourselves by giving away too much, when the group isn't big enough and it's not being used enough, we're going to, we're going to get sick of it. We're going to be like, what did I get myself into? Like I have to show up all the time and I don't have, I don't have, like, I'm not making any money out of it. I think that's kind of where we don't want to go and be you know cautious of what we say we're going to give them and then add things in as it becomes necessary so that's where i think 
why we have to get clear on what is the core feature? Like, what is the thing that people want to show up for? For mine, I knew it was coaching. It was in my zone of genius. A few of them were past clients or they had bought something like a small product for me before. So they knew me and that's kind of who that it's mostly designed for that. Like it was at the start of it was like, you know, even now I include it in my intensives for people. They, they get that and their, and my VIP days as part of their package when they work with me privately. So it was really designed for that. So I knew that that was my core thing. And I gave, of course I have products and um, I have my all access pass to my profitable membership summit, which I just ran and they'll get, they'll get that for free. Like I just will throw in anything that doesn't cost me extra time and that's part of it but I don't I haven't promised them every month I'm going to come up with a new tool for them because it's not worth it at this point for and I don't need to and they're not asking for it and do you find then so you're doing the coaching do they find benefit from each other too like do they talk to each other too or is it more like you give a when you do a live call is it just you um presenting the information it's a bit of both and I think that's where they're actually, that's a good question. I know people who have been, I know other business strategists have said they don't always want to run a group coaching program because they don't always want the group to be doing the coaching because sometimes they don't agree with what the other people in the group (laughs) say. And sometimes as a group leader, you have to find that balance. Like it's not really a mastermind. So I do want some of that. Absolutely. But I also want to make sure that it is more about my serving them because of my business experience. Like they can give feedback on, oh, I love that idea. And, and, and I love the validation. And I think that's, what's critical is that when you have a message or an idea, you want to know that it resonates with humans and having other people in the group to be like, I love that. That sounds so great. And that helps them, but not, they're not necessarily there to deliver a business strategy because they might come up with something that isn't really tested or, or, or haven't seen in many examples. And so I, so I try, I think that's a little bit of a balance to find. And of course, as it got, if it got busier, there'd probably be more format to it where I would have certain like slots or I, I would come up with, I would figure it out. And this is what I want to talk, say really quickly about it is that your membership should not look like it does in 12, like now it shouldn't look like that in 12 months, because if you're truly creating a program that evolves and is serving people, it's going to change. And so you can figure it out. Then that's, what's different about a course where you have to like film and create and then hope it sells all before you've even really tested it. This is an organic way to just kind of let it flow and see what's required and keep in touch with your members in enough of a way to know what the signals of when something needs to change. And I can see this really having a great place right now because currently conferences aren't like a traditional, traditional conferences aren't happening as they had in the past. And hopefully they will be back in the near future. But for now, I think that we're all kind of craving that, um, like a different way to keep learning and find connections. So I think that there's, it seems like some really great opportunities to make this a thing um, this year or even on into the future. Well, I, I think okay. it is the year oh, of the membership. On. And I think it is be partly for another reason and is that I think when, when we are in more challenging times and we're more introspective and we're questioning more about what we want and what's priority for us, we invest differently and we are more critical or mindful of what we're spending money on. And I feel like there's a bit of a backlash towards 
buying from mass marketers <laughs> and who are selling like big expensive courses that don't provide any real personalized support or there's so many people in the group all you're doing is getting coached by the other mem- other students <laughs> and you're also um the time runs out and then you're like, Oh, the three months is up. Now, if you weren't able to keep up to pace, you're on your own for learning. And it was a $2,000 program. And that's where I've found that, you know, I think there's a movement of people who are like, look, I am not looking at all my clients and thinking a sale. I'm thinking like, Oh, you're a human who I really want to help. And there's opportunity for us to be like, look, we'll serve you long-term at your own pace and in your own time at a lower price point in a through a membership. And I think that's starting to be important to people. Like they want to know that they're going to get taken care of and not just like, sorry, you know, you could have potentially got value, but you know, you passed the 30 day money back guarantee or something like that. I mean, I'm being a little bit critical, but I do take a stand a little bit on, on selling practices that sell to people who aren't ready to take what they've been sold to. And they're not also being helped more personally. And, uh, and, and that is something that I think the membership program uh, offer some a different alternative to that. Let's talk a little tiny bit. I mean, I know we don't have time to get into like the entire thing in terms of logistics of how you do this, but um, in terms of just like where you are, like platforms you're using, are there specific platforms you're using to run the membership program? Let's start there. Okay, I love it. So I love that this is where everyone is always wanting to know about. <laughs> And it's because it <laughs> I is. I think it seems so foreign. If you've never it done is. it, it's like, what do you, what even is that? Like, I know. And, and people get really stuck on that. And that's where I really want people to, first of all, try not to let that be a barrier because of the very reason is that it's not really the thing, the thing you're delivering. It isn't the, the platform experience. And there's no perfect solution. So if you're thinking that I just don't know what it is yet, well, you know what? There isn't one. And because I've been, I've been looking around, checking around. I mean, I, I basically just use Zoom for my calls and I said Google Calendar. Oh yeah. And I had a Google Drive where I put some documents and things into and access. Simple, right? Yeah. yeah. And then I, then I quickly uh, threw up a, a Mighty Networks community because they were starting to email me and I thought, okay, well, here you go. <laughs> and, <laughs> you know, it was super simple. And I picked that because I definitely know some of my, my members are, are not into Facebook and more of the people I attract are going to have an issue with that. And it wasn't about like engagement, engagement. So I have a, I have a member of my community, of my group who is, has a, something to do with, um, dog stuff that she wants to, I can't give her awesome idea away, uh, that she wants to create a membership (laughs) for. And I just said, you know, it's probably Facebook is probably where a lot of people will be. And that's what will keep them engaged really easily. And if your group is mostly about them, like wanting to stay in this group of like-minded people forever, then, then you might want to pick that. And there'll be enough people that for the ones who don't like Facebook, there'll be enough people to, to choose from. So that's the consideration around the community piece. I mean, And then there's the ideas that like, so if that's the main thing, then where do you really want to nurture and host this community? If you've got an education model, then you might think, well, I need something that I know is really good for courses. So is it Thinkific or, and I like Thinkific personally, I just have certain companies that I really like to support more. And, um, so, so like, they have a community option. I haven't even checked it out though. So I don't, I mean, I know it's better than say Kajabi community. So 
some of the people have like a Facebook group and the course platform. That's the common thing. But the all-in-one solution means that you're you're not sure how much engagement you're going to get on some of these platforms that aren't known for their engagement because we get just get in this habit of like we've used Facebook, we know how to communicate there. If you've been on Instagram for a while, you know how to communicate on Instagram. Like you, you almost feel like it is a Facebook kind of feeling. So I think that's where I, I'll just say that there's no real answer <laughs> that that to make that's it perfect. Great, yeah. So that's why you just start yeah. with the one thing. So again, like you have to decide like what is the value that everyone's going to get and then you just start there. Yeah. And, okay. I like that you keep it simple and it makes it less overwhelming yeah. that you don't you can literally start with a Zoom call and a calendar and a Google Doc. So that's good. Or yeah. a Facebook group or a course yeah. platform and then add what you need to and then one day if the world comes along and there's one way that everybody does it and it's all together <laughs> one place that's great but everything's so evolving right now and everything's so new that there isn't really a standard for it and people have to adapt new things and it's just going to take time so that's okay maybe yeah maybe that's an opportunity for a startup out there to put together the perfect platform for this well model. they are they're trying but nothing is perfect and not everyone uses it and the part of it again like it's not being used because we're used to using facebook to chit chat and, yeah. the, and it's like, I think that's part of the issue is that nobody really moves off of that if they're into that very well into other things because they're so used to it. And except for now, there's a movement of people that are like, don't want to be on it anymore. So that's providing the new opportunity. But now it's like, which one of those? And they're all a little bit different. So they're all pretty good, but they're, yeah, yeah it's not perfect. <laughs> yeah. 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 Okay. So, so much to think about. Um, I know, again, we don't have a ton of time to get into like the whole marketing side of, you know, if, if step one is you want to kind of have an existing audience already, like you've already started to build the audience, let's say through building an email list or, and, or your, your website, they're Client. finding all these places, right? Yeah. So what have you found is if, if you had to tell us your favorite people or your favorite people, your favorite place to, um, or your favorite tactic for growing that audience, that email list, whatever it is that you're focused on. What's your main, what's your favorite focus for marketing? Oh, that's a big one. Okay. So there's different parts to marketing. I think at the end of it, you definitely want to be selling to your list probably. Um, if I, it does depend, I, I look at, this is where I kind of get into the idea that everyone's got a different marketing funnel because someone's conversion method is another person's visibility, like awareness thing platform. So it, it really does depend. Like some people have such a big podcast following that they can sell on that directly. And they, and that's the thing that's doing the thing. And, and so I, so I would say I love having my podcast. It's the, my best place for people to get to know me and I enjoy doing it. So I would just put out there that enjoy it. You've got to find something that you do consistently enough that if you want to be on Instagram all the time, because especially as a photographer, then awesome. And, and then like, that's your place. And that's where you can actually do like calls to action to come and buy something from you. Like I would probably never do a huge campaign on Instagram to come and buy a program from me. Like I've never probably put an offer out there because I just don't think it's going to get the traction because it's not really my brand. And, and I've offered one-on-one -on -one VIP intensives for a long time now. So I think it's, it really depends. So I think you need to know what you love, where you want to show up, show up consistently. And then, uh, and then if you do launches or you do open enrollments, I, I sold to my list. And actually that's probably the first time I successfully sold 
to my list at a, at a rate that I was quite happy with. You know, I have a small list. Well, I had a small list. It's grown because I just hosted a summit and, um, but it's, it's like a, a very, um, it's a really yeah great thing to be able to offer people who've been lingering for a while, paying attention to what you offer and mentioning it, say on your podcast, mentioning it on your YouTube video. So you just have to put it out there, but find that one thing ads, I've, you know, ads, Facebook ads, for example, is an interesting way to do it. I think if you, I would recommend, you know, you need to sell it, uh, before you put money into something like that, because it's very expensive and you never want to assume that unless it's such a great hook and such an interesting niche. And you know that, wow, people are like, wow, this looks so interesting. The likelihood of you, of, of that earning enough to cover the cost that they only just say, Oh, I'll check it out for a month for $29 or $49. And it might have cost you more than that to get that person in there. So I wouldn't, I would say that's a scaling strategy. Once you know your membership is doing well, once you know that people are staying a certain amount of time and every person who joins is worth at least $200 or $500 in lifetime value. And then you can say, okay, I know that how much I'm willing to pay for a new sign up member. And that's when you can start to do that. And especially if you know how to do ads yourself to some extent, then you know, you can save some money. So I'd say that I would, I would find your marketing system. I would just learn your marketing system. It's like, how do people find out about you? What do they need to do to get to know you? And how do you make an offer? Like, are you ever saying, by the way, I've got openings or by the way, like some of us forget to actually make the offer and let people know. <laughs> and yeah, then, that's... yeah. And then like who actually buys and, and how, and that's the system. And when you know that you can grow it, but you got to know it before you can grow it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this is, this is fun. I mean, there's a lot here and there's a lot more that's not here. So if people are interested <laughs> in learning more, where can they find you and find more information about all of this? So I think one of the ways that you can just learn more about business in general is on my podcast. So I have the Scaling Deep podcast and that is full of like really critical foundations to building a brand that is capable of growing beyond the referral kind of one by one. Um, way. And the other one is I've got a free masterclass uh, on how to design your ideal membership. So if you want to grab that, if you are interested in memberships, I'll go over this in more detail and explain a bit more. And that can be found at scalingdeet.com forward slash design. So yeah, pop over our website and there's other stuff there too. Awesome. And all, as always, those links will be in the show notes on if you're listening in iTunes or whatever device you're listening in, um, and also at photofieldnotes.com. So you can find the notes there. All right, Lisa, thank you for sharing your story and your advice. Thanks for being here today. You're welcome. It's been really fun to speak with you. Thanks for listening. Check out show notes at photofieldnotes.com. And if you loved this episode, leave your review on iTunes. See you next week.